Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your hosts, Jane Harris and Kathy Barrett. Hi, everybody. It's Behind the Curtain, and this is a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life to reveal what's behind the curtain. We're not doctors or psychologists, just ordinary people sharing how we get through life's day-to-day challenges. I'm Kathy Barrett, a writer and the busiest unemployed woman in America. Hmm. And I'm Jane Harris, a relationship coach with relationship issues. Figure that one out. Our show covers thought-provoking topics. We have unique and inspirational guests, and we invite you to call in and reveal what's behind your curtain. Life is something you shouldn't have to do alone. We're here, and as your new BFFs, we invite you to join our party. Today's topic is fear of the moolah. You should have that Godzilla music to this week, Kathy. Or right. fear of money. Um, well, I, I mean, I, this is so perfect for me because I don't really have a fear of money. I have a fear of what to do with it. So that's my big fear. Yes, I, I am right there with you, Jane. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there that are very, you know, fearful about what to do with their money and that's why this is going to be such a great show and there's so much to talk about we it's going to be a two-part series but today we're going to be talking about our relationship to money are we savers or are we spenders what thoughts limit us from manifesting more of it which i'm sure everybody wants to do so today we are delighted to have as our special guest Tabor butler She's a registered investment advisor and the creator of the Butler Group. You can find out more information about Tabor by going to www.thebutlergroup.biz. So welcome, Tabor. Thanks for being here. Thank you. This is a great privilege. I'm really honored to join all of you today. Oh, thank you, Tabor. It's wonderful to have you. And I I love talking about money and money money. Oh, good. Oh, my God, I hate it so much. I, I, I just avoid it at all costs. So <laughs> I love that you love it. Now, can you explain to our listeners the difference between an um, investment advisor and a financial planner? Or do you do both? Ah. Or what's the difference? Okay. There there are many designations, I almost want to say it's loose, the way people are titled out there in the financial services industry. But one of the primary distinctions is a financial planner is somebody who will sit down with you to ask you what your goals are and then help you put onto paper a schedule of what you should do with your monies 
how much should be set aside for savings, how much should be set aside for your home, how much should be set aside for college education, for retirement, like that. And then what they will do based on their conversation with you and how fearful you are of the market, let's say, or how much you have a need for money in a certain area, they will then run schedules. They'll print out and say, here's the probability of what your money would look like if you do these things that we've discussed today. So that's what a financial planner does. A financial advisor um, and some of the other designations, investment counselor, is someone who invests the money that you've saved and you don't need for your current expenses. And that could be retirement money, that could be IRA money, um, it could be a 401k that rolled over, it could be simply savings, it could be an inheritance. It's that pool of money that's going to go into the stock market, into bonds, into um, cash. And, and sometimes you even find somebody who may help you with real estate and they also may help you um, with insurance type of investments. Mm. So those are the, you know, so there are the people who help you plan what to do with your money, and then there are the people who actually invest what you have. Mm. And then what do you, what do you, what, what's your expertise? What, what do you? I am actually mostly focused. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually a financial advisor. The, the core of my business is to invest money for clients. I started at Merrill Lynch, and then seven years ago went out on my own. So I have my own business. And I have a cadre of clients for whom I invest money. But in addition to that, um, as I was working along, particularly in Merrill, it became very clear to me that a lot of people um, have fear around money. Um, a lot of people who don't know what to do with it um, can't can't get on budget. They can't figure out... Um, you know, whether to pay off their college loans or save for this or that. They're overspending on their credit cards. So I developed um, a program called Money Fitness, Sourcing Your Abundance, that helps people figure out how to be on budget. Um, and at the core of that is first the decision-making process of, under, of understanding um, who they are around money, what money means to them, then how they want to use it, how they want to create it so it makes a fulfilling life for them. Mm. So, so Kathy, um, do you have I, ha I have a question. Yes. Um, is there any conflict with the person doing both things, being a fin financial planner and an investment counselor? No, lots of people um, are both. Um, you just, the person just needs to be clear. If it's a financial planner and then they offer an investing service, um, okay. it will be clear that that's what they're doing. And usually those people tend to be in the insurance industry and they actually use financial planning as a loss leader to get access to monies to then make recommendations on. I see. And how does Separate a, and make a person... Help, that, I'm sorry, they can be go held ahead. separate. The, 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 the two functions are separate and a client can request that they be kept separate or the client mm -hmm. can choose to do, you know, work work on both parts with the same individual. Okay. And how would a person go about, because, you know, we, we read all these headlines in the paper about uh, Bernie Madoff as an example, as a large example, and not that, you know, that constitutes the entire industry, but there is a big fear about there about knowing how to check out um, 
a financial advisor and investment counselor. What what kind of things should we be looking for, and how do we go about doing that? Okay. Um, I'm going to give you my very commonsensical answer um, because I think too often what happens is people abdicate their own common sense and decide that they have to go with what somebody else has written about or who somebody thinks is the big name. So when you're selecting um, a financial person to work with, you know, I always say the first thing you need to do is to trust your own judgment. And if you think you're shaky about trusting your own judgment in on a financial matter because it's a new area, then I just say to you, go think about an area in your life where you trust your decision-making. And once once you find that area in your life where you know that you trust yourself as a decision maker, then decide, you know, if I can make good decisions in this area, then I can make good decisions in the financial area. I will simply follow um, a common sense process. So the first thing you want to do once you've decided you're going to trust yourself is I would recommend that you talk to friends that you respect um, and find out who they're investing with. You might you might have conversations with individuals you know. You might go on Facebook. You might go to college, um, you know, people that you knew in college. I would go to somebody that you think is um, effective and balanced and grounded. You know, it could be a business person, could be another person, and ask them what they do and where they go. Um, so that would be a beginning to getting some recommendations. I would also research on the Internet um, if the companies that have been recommended or the people that have been recommended are established. So here now you're you're doing a little due diligence of your own. Um, I would find out either through conversation or, again, checking out on the Internet whether or not the individual or firm you're thinking of going to will take assets at your level. There's a big issue in the investment world right now, and there, for some it's a cutoff of 100000 for some it's a cutoff of 250000 If you have 250000 or more and you want to go to Merrill Lynch, then you'll probably get pretty good service. But if you're going to a major firm and, you're invest, and the monies to invest are below that, very often you're too small for them to pay attention to. So it's really critical that you find out if the person you're anticipating or the firm you're anticipating going with will honor the money that you have because you want it's your money, you want it to work well, you want their time. So you have to make sure that you're a good fit for their business model. And the responsibility is on your side to check that out in terms of your asset level. Um, if you get some names of people, then I would request an interview. Um, I would actually sit down and see if you like them. And once again, this is really important. This is um, a people skill. Trust your gut. If you feel the person you're interviewing is bullying you or indifferent to you or making you feel that your questions are stupid, that's not somebody you want to work with because you want to develop a relationship that works you know, over a long time, hopefully, um, so you want to feel as good about working with that person as you do any of the other areas where you have a trusted advisor or relationship that works well for you. Um, and when you're having this conversation, this interview, you can ask the person for their credentials. You can also ask them for 
performance results. Now, this is really important. You do not have to be a genius at reading financial information, but you want very simply a comparison. The market did this, this this person or this firm's or this fund's performance did that. So if the market's up 10% and they're up 2% and the next year it's up 8 and they're up 3 and the next year it's like the next year the market's down 12 and they're down 20, you've got to say to yourself, you know, minimally it's clear to me this person is not managing money as well as the market. So there's no point in my paying to be with this person. So you have a right and you should ask for their performance results in a very simple format that you can, a comparison that you can understand. And you also want to ask for that comparison after they've taken their fees out. A lot of times they'll show it to you before they take their fees out. It looks great. Then they take their fees out and it's actually not so good. So you want to see it after the fees have been taken out. And then another, just another small point is if you go to work with one of the large houses like Merrill Lynch, um, you need to know, or you know Morgan Stanley, or you know just one of the big name firms, you need to know that there are hidden fees. Nothing is for free in this world. So I'm a registered investment advisor. I will give you a sheet of paper that shows you my fees right off the top, and they're very competitive. But with some insurance companies and with um, large firms, there are hidden fees. So you just want to make sure you understand what it is that you're buying into. And if the performance results are great after the fees have been taken out, then it's not a problem. At least I don't think it's a problem. Some people find it a problem. I don't find it a problem. Um, well, that, that's that's amazing. I mean, that's a lot of information and, and things. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but it, it's it's all great. And what I find so fascinating about it is, it's like, you know, you wouldn't, it, it, responsibility really falls back to self. No matter what you're doing out there, who you're hiring, you still have to take responsibility for what happens with your money and keep your eye on it. And in other words, you wouldn't give the keys to your house to a plumber and say, go fix my sink that you didn't really know that well and leave for a half hour, you know. I mean, you just have to be on top of everything and just be responsible for everything you do, and, and out of everything you said, that's what really rang true for me is that, you know, you just can't give things away. You have to, you know, be in charge of what you want to manifest for yourself as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very clear. And you said some things I hadn't even thought of, which were fantastic. So, you know, thank you for that. And... and um I'd like to, a question I have is, could you explain, uh, you have on your website um, wealth as a way of life. Could you explain to us a little bit about that, what your philosophy, what that means? Yes, yes, I'd love to. Um, So I chose wealth as a way of life for my signature line for my business because it actually represents an important aspect of who I am. I'm, I'm basically an optimist. And I believe that we can reframe or rewrite any conversation, belief, issue that's in our lives. Um, And so what I have a passion about is helping people reframe their conversation around money so that, that it shifts into this notion of them living daily, feeling well. Now, the word wealth comes from the Old Middle English. And in the Old Middle English, the word wealth was well-being. That was the meaning of it. Hmm. So 
Um, I'm looking to help people gain wealth or, uh, you know, or even abundance in the sense of having well-being in their lives. Um, and I want people to, you know, it's what you think is what you create. So if you decide that I have enough to wear, enough to eat, a place to sleep, and I can buy a few extra things, then you actually are living a life of wealth if you decide that it is so. It doesn't matter so much how much is sitting in your bank account. It's what you decide about what you have. And it's mm. that shift to this sense of abundance with what I have that creates the, the sense of living in wealth and into wealth. And the more you hold that positive attitude, the more you pull it to yourself. Mm. That's so fantastic. And 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 I love it, you know, I've I've haven't spoken to many uh, financial people, but God, I got to say you you also sound like a coach. You know, like you actually see beyond kind of the actual specifics and practicality of which you sound very wise on and you have a lot of wisdom around, but there's also this other level that you bring to it of actually um I don't know how to explain it actually. But it's, it's breaking um, it down and making it simple. You know? Yeah. It's making this it's making a very complicated matter. You're breaking it down and, and giving us very simple steps that anybody mm. can follow. And mm-hmm. I think that takes a lot of the fear out of out of things when we do that, no matter regardless of what the topic is. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and also enable you know, enable us to give us you know very quick easy ways to put it into our own hands and be the driver of the car and and knowing what to look for and just things I would never have thought to have looked for so I really appreciate that and you were going to say I'm sorry I interrupted you go ahead no I mean I'm probably just running on here but um, you know uh, when I left. Uh, corporate America to, to go into financial services, I was aware that a lot of people, especially women, I must say, were frozen around their money. They were afraid to make any moves because they were afraid of making a mistake. And I really knew this was a false belief. It's like I wanted to get back to this notion that having your money go well is about a relationship and that if you can parent a pet or parent a child, then you can parent a good money relationship. I mean, it re- they re- <laughs> require the same skill sets. You want to check in every day to see how it's going. You want to reward the behaviors that go well, and you want to you want to set boundaries and change the behaviors that aren't going well. And if you do that, instead of holding your money off at arm's length and turning your head the other way, then you can really have your money go well. Wow, that's, oh, that's so inspirational. It it really is, and I I, I love. Um, that you laid it out that way because it's it just gets me also to look at it with a, a whole different viewpoint. I just want to take a moment to tell everybody out there that we are now open uh, to take calls. And uh, you can, let's see, call in at, uh, ooh, I'm looking for the number. I have it, Seven one. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Jane. Oh, 714. 714-409-0539. And uh, let us know if you have any fear of the moolah, because maybe we can help. We have some uh, expert advice here today with uh, Tabor Butler. And uh, now, Jane, it's our turn to be in the hot seat. Tabor is going to determine what our relationship to money is with a few questions. (laughs) Did you choke? Oh no! Okay, we can do this, and I and I invite everyone who's listening to also 
come along with us and answer the questions that the wonderful Tibur is going to uh, is going to you know hit us with. <laughs> okay, we're ready. Okay, so Jane, I have a money personality quiz, all of three questions long, very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to help us determine whether you are a saver of your money, a realist with your money, or a spender. Um, okay. And if anybody uh, in the audience would like to score themselves, I'll, uh, as we go along and answer the questions for yourself, I'll give you the score so you can figure out what you are too. So here's the first question, Jane. You're going on a business trip, and you will stay, and now I'm going to give you a choice of three. You will stay in the best hotel and write it off or in a hotel with an Internet discount or with a friend in his or her spare bedroom. So you're going on a business trip. You have three choices. You're going to stay in the best hotel and write it off. That's a score of nine. You're going to stay in a hotel with an Internet discount. That's a score of six. Or you're going to stay with a friend in his or her spare bedroom. That's a score of three. What did you choose? I think, oh, God, it's between the second one and the third one. Um, I think I'd go for the stay in a friend's spare room. Great. Great. So you scored a three. Here's the second question. You're having lunch with friends. The check comes. You, A, spontaneously decide to treat everyone. B, you split the bill, but you make sure to pay more than your share, just that very nice little person. Or C, you pay your share exactly minus one half of one coffee. (laughs) So you're having one. (laughs) And you spontaneously decide to treat everyone. That's a nine. You split the bill, but you make sure to pay more than your share, just a little bit. Or you pay your share exactly minus one half of one coffee. Well, I don't like the one half of one coffee, though, but but I would definitely be a C. I mean, it makes me sound like such a Scrooge, such a, you know what I mean? I'm not really that way, am I? (laughs) I don't know. Carry on. Carry on. uh, No comment on the grabs that may incriminate me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go on, Tiba. Jane, I got mixed up. You did choose the last one? Yes. Okay. Um, and then here's the third question. You're on a budget for a month. Now, a friend invites you to hear a business through, you know, somebody really important in your field that you admire, and the cost of the seminar is going to throw you off budget. But you decide to go anyway because it's really important. So there's three ways to handle the money. Do you tell yourself it's for business, it's okay, and pay it? Do you reduce your expenses by the same amount the next month, or do you immediately reduce your spending the same month? So you're going on this uh, workshop, and you're either going to pay immediately, you're going to reduce your expenses. The first one was nine points, the next is six points, and the last one is three points. Immediately reduce spending the same month. What would you do? I think I'd wait to reduce. I would reduce, but I'd wait to the following month. Okay. So you have scored 12 which puts you in the category of a saver. You are cautious with money. Now, here's the thing about the profile for a saver. Um, And I'm not saying you're a chronic oversaver, 
But when somebody falls into the chronic oversaving category, there's this under, underneath underlying belief that he or she is not enough and that your sea life is dangerous. And in an extreme, you actually withdraw and hoard so that lab, life doesn't sabotage you further. It's like it's your way to create safety, even though it's a false notion. You're, that's what your impetus is. That's what your impulse is. So if you're a saver, you might be a balanced saver. You might have a score of 15, for example. But if you are really, you know, find yourself saving too often, you just have to remember to go ahead and nurture yourself because that's part of the deal. You don't want to be on an extreme diet all the time. You don't want to make life that dry. Hmm. Now, I... I scored a twenty-one, Tabor. What? What does? What's the? You know, meaning that's a pretty that. wonderful. That means that you are a. Oh, she's of, always the angel. She's always a good one. She always gets a good one. She always gets no, a good my score. Darling, you yeah, have the most a, generous, the generous, most generous heart of anyone I know. No, come on, I'm kidding with you. So go on, tell oh. us, Tabor. What's what's the good news on the angel, Kathy? Yeah. <laughs> Happy has a bias, go surrealism. So just when she's whipping up to have a really good time for the third time, she goes, oh, wait a minute, I really shouldn't be doing this. That's right. The realist is disciplined and able to save as a regular habit. The realist also spends to enjoy life when he or she can afford it. The spender could veer into becoming a chronic spender. And again, if if somebody is a chronic spender, there tends to be an underlying belief that he or she is not enough. And so they're spending to avoid slowing down and experiencing being with himself or herself in that sort of empty place of not enough. It's So spending That's is used okay. to avoid actually being with yourself. Yeah. And when I work with people who are spenders, I like to really help them find other ways to fill up so they don't have to spend money in order to feel full and nurtured. Mhm. Mm. That's, so that's really audience, interesting. We're both sides of the coin, Jane. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah. of both sides of the coin. Mm. Well, listen, together, you know, we have four minutes. It's hard to believe, but we have four minutes left. <gasps> I mean, oh my the show God. has blown by faster than any show we've done so far. So I'm so happy that we were wise enough to plan for a part two, Taylor, because we have so much more to go into with you. But I thought it would be interesting, and just over the next two um, minutes, I wanted to share uh, within the next minute a story, because one of the things you you questioned, uh, you have a question on your website about what is your first memory of money? And what came up for me was my grandfather taking me into his backyard with my sister and showing us this tree. And he had taped uh, dollar bills to the tree. And he told (gasps) us it was a money tree. And I was like, oh, my God, I had forgotten this memory. And I thought, wow, how profound is that, you know, in terms of really what that means in my life. But... Thank you, because I really think that that is a question that everybody should take a pause and go back and really question what their first memory to money is, because it really brings up some amazing things. It is amazing, and maybe we can even spend some time discussing it next time. Yes, maybe we should have you on for three shows. (laughs) 
I we probably should, or I'd bring you back a second time. But I just uh, want to thank you uh, again, um, Tabor Butler, for coming on the show because you have been a great guest. And you can learn more about Tabor by going to thebutlergroup.biz and, you know, take some of those uh, questionnaires, take the time to take those questionnaires yourself so you can see what your relationship to money is. And don't forget, she's going to be back next week for part two. So I hope that you will tune in, and I hope that we will get, we didn't have really a lot of time for callers, any time for callers this week, so we hope that next week uh, you will phone in because we'd like to know what's behind the curtain for you in terms of your relationship uh, for money. And um, any last words, Tabor, any advice uh, to give people in the last minute about how they can um, kind of shift their relationship to money? (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, just love yourself. That's really the place where it's good. <laughs> I love that. Wow, that's very, very powerful, and you know, and and that is uh, the way to go. Start with loving yourself, and everything kind of generates from that space, and is good. Mm-hmm. So it's been a pleasure to be with you today, as always, Jane. I love co-hosting this show with you. Mm-hmm. This is Kathy, and this is Jane. And we are going to sign off from behind the curtain. Uh, oh, I forgot to say just one last thing. Um, go to our Facebook page, and we would invite you to uh, like us, you know, become a fan of the show. And we hope to be bringing you so many more beautiful shows in the future. So thanks for tuning in. We loved being with you. And from here, we're signing off from behind the curtain. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.